Greetings, my phantomly awesome folks. Thank you so much for stopping by, making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. As always, those tunes you just heard are courtesy of the amazing Bobby Mackey, and I'm your host, Tessa Morrow. Perched high above Eureka Springs, Arkansas, there stands Crescent Hotel, known as the Grand Lady of the Ozarks. It was built back in 1886 by a gentleman named Isaac Taylor who happened to be a Missouri architect. He built with dreams of being a luxurious place for the wealthy, the rich, and the famous to stay here. Well, unfortunately, it didn't last long at all, and it proved to be more than they could handle, and it fell into major disrepair. It eventually shut down and sat there abandoned for several years. Today, it's a different story, a place to not only stay the night, but where you can do a nightly ghost tour, go have a day at the spa and salon, eat gourmet pizza, and so much more. The structure has been home to many different things since it was built. First, the failed hotel. Then, in 1908, it opened as Crescent College and Conservatory for Young Women. It survived longer than the hotel, but that too closed down back in 1924. It wouldn't stay closed for very long this time, though, as it opened back up in 1930, this time as a junior college. But it too would be short-lived, closing down four years later in 1934. Seems that places just aren't meant to last here at this location, right? In 1937, it would turn into something different altogether a health resort, and hospital. Norman Baker was a very wealthy man, a millionaire, really, who considered himself a man of medicine. He believed he could heal illnesses, diseases, everything. He had an answer and a cure for it. The only catch is that Norman was not a doctor at all. Far from it. He may have been wealthy, but money cannot buy you an invisible certificate Well, okay, maybe it can, but it can't buy you the knowledge and schooling in a heartbeat to be a doctor. In reality, he was a radio personality and an inventor. He never spent one day in medical school, no training whatsoever. Put him next to a fourth grade child, and the child would probably know more than him. But that unfortunately did not stop him from playing doctor and getting actual clients. What the good people of Eureka Springs did not know was that the doc had been chased out of Iowa and decided to set up shop in Arkansas. He actually brought some of those Iowa patients with him to this new facility that's now known as the Crescent Hotel. Soon, word was that the new doc in town could cure cancer. He was pretty full of himself, as brochures proved that. His fake hospital and health resort was referred to as the Switzerland of America, where sick folks get well. Not only that, but Norman promised a cure without even using a knife 
radium, or an x-ray. People who met this man, well, they not only trusted him, but they liked him. He was a nice guy. He was good looking. He was confident. He had trusting eyes, whatever that means. Always sporting his colorful lilac shirts and a fancy diamond horseshoe stick pin. Another reason why people probably liked him is because he promised the six-week cure for those that were dying from cancer. Many would put their trust and life savings and their lives right into his hands. There's healing spring waters here in this area, and this was part of his treatment. Another part of it was what he called Formula 5, which consisted of uh, alcohol, ground-up watermelon seeds, clove leaves, carbolic acid, glycerol, and corn silk. This would be administered up to seven times a day to these patients. The fake doctor with no morals actually stole this recipe from a fellow con man. Too bad something as simple as Formula 5 and healing waters aren't what it takes to cure cancer. So did this doctor, and I know you can't see me, but I'm using air quotes, mm mm-hmm, have pure intentions and truly believe that this would work? Or was he just obsessed with having a big bank account, fancy clothing, and nice jewelry, knowing damn well that this was a big, fat sham? Unfortunately, it's no shocker that during the time the location was a health resort, and I use those words very loosely, many people would die here. They actually had a morgue in the basement, which, believe it or not, is now the hotel spa. While some believe Norman was out to help people, others share the horrible conditions that were there and the excruciating experiments that he conducted on his ever-so-trusting victims. He would cremate the people in the basement, and he would put limbs in jars. The doc went out of his way to advertise that he had in his possession an actual cancer specimens preserved in alcohol. I don't know how, but somehow word gets to the American Medical Association of what's taking place at this health resort. And they alert the authorities about the fake hospital. In 1940, federal charges are filed for mail fraud. Out of all things he did, it was mail fraud. He gets four years in prison. Just seems like a slap on the wrist if you ask me. Either way, the disgraceful Norman is sent to Leavenworth, where he stays for four years. He defrauds his patients out of over $4 million. $4 million back in 1940? Well, that's over $79 million today. A huge, huge ouch. I would say he has no soul, but he is one of the many spirits to haunt this location to this very day. His full-bodied apparition has been seen quite regularly. Baker in life, he always wore purple lilac shirts, and in death, he is always seen wearing a purple shirt with a white linen suit. Oftentimes, his apparition is seen throughout the lobby, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I tend to do that. I will get into the apparitions and hauntings in just a short while. In 1946, the property is purchased by a group of men with dreams of turning it back into a hotel. And not just for a couple years, 
They want it to last. It stays a hotel for a handful of years until one day in 1967 when it is sadly burned to the ground. It is rebuilt, and in 1997, new owners, well, they arrive. And it doesn't take very long for this couple to realize, you know, something is kind of off with this hotel. So they hire two mediums, both out of San Francisco, to come and see if they can figure out what exactly is happening here. One of the mediums says that he found a portal to the other side. That location happens to be an area where guests... Well, they keep fainting. It would always occur while on their nightly ghost tours. I believe those start at 7 p.m. Now get this. The portal was directly above where, yeah, the morgue used to be. When the new owners bought this hotel, they were told that the specimens were taken to a dump way back in the 1960s. So they thought they were long gone, right? Well, in reality, that dump was behind the hotel, buried right on the actual property. Now, this frightening and grotesque reality was discovered not too long ago, back in 2019, when the hotel's gardener was doing some landscaping one normal day, or what at least starts out to be a normal day. Several jars with alcohol containing human remains or animal tissue. There were several others where the alcohol escaped, possibly containing remains as well. It is said that well over 400 jars of body parts and remains were discovered, and there are possibly many, many more that just have not been found. Authorities were called, and once it was determined that it wasn't foul play, there's no Arkansas serial killer running amok, but the dumping ground, the hotel owners had those samples sent to University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences and also to the State Crime Lab. In addition to these jars and remains, surgical tools were also found. The bottles were found at the edge of the woods. So I don't know, to me that's straight up eerie, right? Now, let's talk a little bit about the paranormal and the haunts and the booze. Oh, as What's Paranormal Prowlers podcast without all that fantastic stuff. So, like every haunted hotel, there's rooms that have a little more activity than others. And in this case, room 218 is one of those rooms. In fact, it is considered to be one of the most haunted rooms in this hotel. And it has kind of a sad story behind it. While working on the building back in 1885, on top of the roof, there was a gentleman, an Irish stonemason, who falls to his death after he loses his balance. He dies where 218 now stands. The staff, they have named him Michael. Now, whether that's his name in life or not, I'm unsure, but that is what they call him. Michael is a rather mischievous spirit. He plays tricks on people as he enjoys messing with lights, turning them off and on, and he likes to open the doors and close them. He also enjoys pounding on the walls. In this room, people have experienced seeing something straight out of a horror movie, a phantom hand coming out of the bathroom mirror, and the sounds of a man crying, can often be heard as well. Very heartbreaking. 
One eerie incident that took place was when a guest runs out of the room screaming and crying, saying that they saw blood splattered all throughout the room. Definitely something you don't want to see in your hotel room or any room for that matter. I don't know. When I go, I check, okay, there's no bed bugs, right? There's no cigarette burns in the sheets. There's no nasty stains, no dirty towels. Oh, yeah, and I guess I should check for blood splatter as well. Yeah, that's right up there. <laughs> Yet another incident in room 218. The bellboy opens the door for it to be slammed in his face when nobody is in there. Sounds like the stonemason Michael is up to his tricks again. People oftentimes will hear very weird happenings in this room. At one point, a paranormal team was investigating this room, trying to communicate with Michael. And at one point, they asked, how do you like it here, Michael? And they got a man whispering back, caught on recorder, replying, Yes, Mike is here. Leaving the very haunted room 218, now we head up a couple floors and right into room 419. This room has seen a lot of activity throughout the years, and it's believed to be haunted by a woman that the hotel staff call Theodora. People have had many encounters with Theodora. She will actually approach people and introduce herself as a cancer patient, then will vanish before their very eyes, making me believe that this was obviously one of the fake Dr. Norman Baker's patients slash victims. Very, very sad. And just a few rooms away is 414. A family one day was just sitting there watching TV, hanging out, minding their own business, when they see an apparition walk through the outside door across the room, enter into the bathroom, the front desk, they complain, saying that the room was haunted and they were transferred to a nearby hotel room, that being the haunted 419. <laughs> Just kidding. They were actually transferred to a nearby hotel, but that would have been kind of funny. Some of the spirits here are very nurturing, as there was a couple staying near the governor's suite on the first floor. They're tucked in not once, not twice, my friends, but three times. They're sleeping with just a sheet covering them, and the comforter kept getting pulled over them all by itself. Meanwhile, in room 110, I saw one account on TripAdvisor of someone who was investigating this room that experienced they had a quarter sitting on the table and it kept being moved from the table to the bed, table to the bed, and that the closet door would open all by itself, and they kept hearing their name being said. Truly gotta love when that happens. I've had this happen several times myself, and it's always nice hearing your name being said by a spirit. This person also says that their EMF meter spiked to three. We get some phantom smells in room 212, occasionally of cherry pipe tobacco. In the late 19th century, Dr. John Fremont Ellis, yes, he was an actual doctor. He was the original hotel's live-in doc. He oftentimes enjoyed the occasional smoke, yes, cherry pipe tobacco. He spent a lot of time in this office of his, which is now room 212. I found one woman's story online, and I found it to be very interesting. She said that for two whole years, she actually lived here at the hotel, that her stepfather, he was a musician, and he would often play here. So 
the family, they rent the morgue out, and the girl recounts hearing moans and growls while she would try to sleep. She would just be sitting there watching TV, and all of a sudden it would just, boom, turn off by itself. Living there shaped my future. She ended up becoming a mortician. She was there a few years ago and took one of their ghost tours. And this is very interesting to me. The tour guide was giving history on the location. And the tour guide was actually given a history lesson by her when he told the group that no morgue ever existed here at the hotel. Well, she lived there for two whole years. She knew that was not accurate. That's like someone telling you, hey, you know that pet? dog you had as a child for 10 years? Well, he didn't exist. Well, that's not true. I know that's not accurate. It makes you wonder. It was interesting to me because some places, some establishments are like, no, this place is not haunted. We don't want to be associated with, you know, haunts and booze and ghosts and phantoms and whatever. But this place actually has ghost tours every single day. So why this tour guide would say that hopefully either he was educated or not there anymore because yeah to me like morgue wow you know my ears kind of go up I'm like oh okay then I want to hear more about this so warning if you are a sensitive soul be careful because some people say that they have experienced sudden bouts of depression and sadness while down where the morgue used to be someone shared their experience on road tripping talking about sleeping in the morgue. All around us, someone or something kept knocking on the walls. One account I found to be quite interesting was about a couple who were leaving the elevator and were on their way to their room when a man in all black Victorian style outfit smiles at them and asks, Do you need help finding your guest room? They say yes, and he leads them to 221. Well, he unlocks the door for them and holds the door open as they enter. They walk in, he waits, he smiles, and he tilts his head. After he leaves, right away they realize, oh, shit, we didn't give him a tip, and he was so friendly and helpful. They immediately go out in the hall to give him money, as he should have been, like, right there, because he had just left. No one's there. He had vanished. Later on, after leaving room 221, the couple, they try to enter the room, but the key no longer works. They go to the front desk to explain the situation, and with a few taps on the keyboard, it's realized that they were given the wrong room key. They actually had the key for 321, not 221. This simply cannot be. They had already been in this room. Their stuff was in this room. They were hanging out in this room. The nice man let them in, and they explained all of this. They described that this man was wearing Victorian clothing, and he was nicely dressed, and yada yada. And they said that they don't have anybody like that who works there. Not anymore, at least. Maybe back in the day, but not today. Not now. It is truly incredible how many experiences and encounters I have found online regarding this location. One woman said that she stayed here and a spirit yanked the sheets and blanket right off of her body while she was trying to sleep. One woman shared that she was staying here for Christmas vacation 
and so many weird things kept happening. Things that she had were malfunctioning, just like everything was going on there. She said that things kept being knocked down and she kept hearing loud bangs on the wall and she ended up leaving pretty abruptly around 3.45 in the morning. Sometimes I have to tell myself, hey, not everybody wants that. They don't go into these locations looking for the paranormal. Sometimes they just go to a hotel to sleep. <laughs> Fools. Just kidding. Meanwhile, a few years back, a couple, they come to visit and they're staying here for their honeymoon. Romance is in the air, you know. Well, suddenly they see a mist and later they would smell cigar smoke during the ghost tour. One night they wake up to see one of the curtains up and the newlywed husband goes to the put the curtain back down when suddenly... As I walked towards it, there was a sensation like static electricity up to my mid-calves. He pulls the curtain down when suddenly... One of my legs on my pajama pants raised and lowered all on its own. One man shared that during his stay here, he couldn't get more than a wink of sleep, really, because his bed kept shaking. And when he would get to sleep, eventually his bed would be shaking to the point where he would, he would wake up again. And it's not just guests that experience stuff. Staff here at the Crescent Hotel have had more than their fair share of experiences and encounters and weird happenings. When they were restoring the building, one woman who was working construction, she was here for about two whole years, she would spend late nights here painting rooms so that they could be rented out. I had three occasions where I felt a presence, and then shortly thereafter, something lightly touched my shoulder. And then there were a few times where she saw a wispy floating presence. She also admits that the morgue always made her feel very uncomfortable. The hotel maintenance man once witnessed seeing all the washers and dryers turn on all by themselves when he was nowhere near them. One Christmas-like encounter, one day staff came in to see the Christmas tree and all of its presents mysteriously moved to the opposite side where its usual destination was, in the dining room and all the chairs were circling and facing the tree. This happened in the Crystal Dining Room, which happens to be a very active location as well, where many apparitions have been seen. And I'll get into that in just a few moments, as there are so many apparitions here. And at one point here in the dining room, a morning staff member comes in to see everything was in order except menus scattered and thrown all throughout the room. Now, okay, this has happened to me several times before, not exactly the menus, but I've worked in the restaurant business for several, several years, finally retiring from that a few years ago. But, you know, I was usually, I always worked for my mom or my dad, and I would usually be the first person to get there and the last person to leave. So when I would leave at night after my shift was done, I would always make sure, okay, Everything is clean, everything's ready to go, and fresh for, for me for the morning or for whoever is coming in. Well, a lot of times I would come back in the next day, and I would be like, that wasn't there before. What was this doing here? That didn't look like that. I didn't do that. You know, so it is very interesting stuff. 
This is what I would call annoying evidence. A cook at the hotel was there one morning just slicing some veggies for the day when he saw a little boy with hot bottle glasses and old-fashioned clothing skipping around the kitchen. Another time, he witnessed pots and pans fly right off the hooks. Apparitions, they are usually a rare sight. I've been investigating the paranormal for several years, and I've only seen full-bodied apparitions a handful of times. And what a treat it always is. It seems that here at this hotel, it's just a normal thing, baby. There are so many here, it blows my mind. So on the third floor, there have been several sightings of a woman. She's usually in nurse garb, pushing a gurney. This occurs only after 11 p.m. She vanishes after she reaches the end of the hallway. This makes sense that sightings only occurred after 11, as this was the time when they would move the deceased out of the hospital. People have also seen nurses pushing people in wheelchairs. Very residual indeed. Many times people will be in their rooms when suddenly they hear squeaky, rattling sounds, sounding very much like a gurney. One woman who used to work here said that at one point she saw a Victorian bride and a groom in the dining room mirror. The groom looked at her, and as they made eye contact with one another, the phantom couple suddenly just disappeared. Back in the 90s, an auditor was here doing some work, and it was after closing, so nobody's around. He goes to get a drink of water in the bar when he sees a bearded man sitting at a bar stool. The auditor tries to converse with this man, but he gets no answer whatsoever. No response, no nod of the head, no no nothing. He finds this rather odd, as there's just something not right about this guy. He goes to grab his partner, and when they return, shortly after, the mysterious man is gone. They search for him, he's nowhere in sight. There have been many times when somebody has ran into a phantom woman who is searching for her room key. Back in the day when this was college, the school president had a four-year-old son named Clifton Breckenridge Thompson, but everybody lovingly called him Brecky. Well, poor little Brecky contracts appendicitis one day and he dies. Forever a four-year-old, Brecky is very playful. He enjoys playing with his toys, and he'll roll balls around, and he shows himself to fellow children who are convinced that he is real. When asked how this little boy looks, the description is always the same. Little curly, blonde-haired boy wearing weird clothes, and he enjoys playing with the children. He might not even know that he's gone, that he passed away. Another haunting that dates back to the college days is by a woman. She was either murdered by being thrown off the building's balcony, or she committed suicide by jumping. It's unsure exactly what happened to her, but people have seen her, and they've also heard her screams. There is also what people refer to as the girl in the mist. She is seen usually on moonlit nights, throwing herself off the eastern balcony into the garden below. Several have witnessed seeing a man who looks very much like a waiter walking around the hallway carrying a tray of what looks to be like butter. 
often seen near rooms 202 and 424. In the lobby, a man who has a mustache and a beard, always in Victorian clothing, with the top hat is seen by the bottom of the stairway, and sometimes he's sitting at the bar. When someone tries to converse with him, he never speaks, and then he will suddenly just vanish before their very eyes. Heading back to the crystal dining room, many apparitions in Victorian clothing have been seen here. There have been a few times where groups of 1890s dancers in full costume are happily dancing about. Again, residual. One gentleman is usually seen sitting at a table near the windows, and when approached, he will actually speak, saying, I saw the most beautiful woman here last night. I am waiting for her return. And they are not all apparitions of people. One is of a friendly feline. Back in the 1970s, a beautiful big orange tabby cat named Morris had a huge presence here at the hotel. In fact, he was referred to as the general manager. When he died, close to 100 people attended his funeral and burial. To this very day, people have experienced feeling a cat rub up against their legs. Love it. This place is the place to be if you want to investigate the paranormal, as you may just catch a glimpse of a full-bodied apparition, a smell, a phantom smell, cigar. People have also caught amazing photographic evidence, like catching full-bodied apparitions, balls of light, mists, black masses, and unexplainable streaks. This place has long since been considered to be one of the most haunted locations in the Ozarks. In one of their articles, Smithsonian says it perfectly. You are alone, but never alone here. So just remember, next time you are here at this hotel, that waiter bringing you butter, or the man in Victorian clothing letting you into your room, or that happily married couple in the dining room may not be human at all. Definitely will have to go here sometime. Added to the old bucket list as she is forever growing. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes! Listen to the others, you guys. They are equally awesome. Haven't heard every single one yet? No need to cry, my friends. You can listen right now to all the other episodes by going to any of those awesome podcast platforms, such as Spotify, Overcast, CastBox, Deezer, Podcast Republic. Wherever you may roam to listen to your other phenomenal podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers Podcast looking in the background. This week's special city shoutouts go to Boston, Massachusetts. Central Coast, California, St. Petersburg, Florida, Bethany, Oklahoma, and Enkelswer, India. Sorry, butcherer of names here. As always, it is super appreciated that you took time out of your day to listen to the podcast. Thank you very, very much. And I just need to say, it took me about two and a half years to do it, but I finally set up a Paranormal Prowlers podcast Facebook page. So go check it out, where I will be posting links to the episodes and many, many other spooky things. You can also email me at paraprowl 
at gmail.com if you have a spooky tale to share. Maybe it's of a local haunt, myth, or a legend in your area that you would like to hear about sometime on a future episode. Do you want to be a future voiceover? I can make that happen too, my friends. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Paranormal Prowlers Podcast and leave me a rating and a review, and I'll be sure to read it on here and give you a shout out. You guys are all truly awesome. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week.